Good morning. Um, This reading is from Joshua chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan, toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Thank you, Matt. Good morning, everybody. Well, we had a five-step plan that got reduced back to a four-step plan, just in case you've been following. That's what happened when you have a blizzard. But, uh, we're talking about the fourth and final step to this winning plan today, and Matt just read to us some very important ver- uh, verses out of the Scriptures. I want to recap one of them, he says. All right, 15 and 16. You must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. So there's two and a half tribes, Reubenites, Gadites, half tribe Manasseh. So let's just call them the two and a halves, okay? They have already reached their promised land. We've been talking about this promised land represents everything that God created us to be, this land of rest. It, it means reaching our full potential. And so you have a group of people, these two and a halfers, have already made it there. And it's, you know, You've already made it there, but you've got to be like a team. This is what it is. You're not going to have everything that you should be in your promised land unless you help your teammates reach there. So today we really want to talk about teamwork. We want to talk about people and how we need people in our lives. You know what I've noticed is there's a real buzz about the promised land going on. Did anybody catch the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine recently with the uh, Crimson Tide? Anybody Alabama fans out there? Alabama fans. Look at what it says. Promised land. Promised land. Everybody wants to make it into the promised land. Where do you think they came up with that phrase? Right out of the book of Joshua. And so what it says, you might not be able to read it, but it says, process program, promised land. Process, program, promised land. And so God gives us in the book of Joshua a process. God gives us in the book of Joshua a program so that we could make it into our promised land, so that we can score a touchdown. Championship teams score touchdowns. That's how championships are won, because they do it together as a team. We need people It's not about an individual. It's not about the one guy. All kinds of people set blocks for him. Today, we're going to encourage you, as Derek said a moment ago, to sign up for a community group straight down the hall out back. Why? Because we need people. We need a team. Today's message is entitled, Who is on your team? Who's on your team? We need teammates to take us. Lone rangers don't make it into the promised land. This guy that was up there a second ago, right, running for the Alabama Crimson Tide, he didn't make it there by himself. He had to have other people. So it's not all about us. Sometimes we just need to show up for a group because, why? Because we need to throw a block for somebody else. It's not always all about us. We want to reach the promised land, and this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the importance of people people in our lives. Forbes magazine says this, 
If you are presenting a group of investors a plan and you want them to invest in your plan, what are they looking for? Well, Forbes magazine says this, investors bet on people, not ideas. We sit around, I'm going to come up with this great idea. I'm going to create this awesome million dollar idea. Well, investors want to look at who's on your team. So the question is, who's on your team today? Because it's about people. Do you have a team? Do you have a people? Do you have a group around you that will help you and will lift you up and will pray for you? Things that happen in our community groups. Do you have that? It's vitally important. Ask yourself, do you have a team like that that's helping you get into the promised land? We might have people in our lives. Maybe we don't. I saw a recent uh, stat that said that 90% of American males don't have a significant relationship in their lives. They're lone wolves. And what the scriptures tell us right here from Joshua is we can't make that full potential, that promised land, if we're a lone wolf. We actually need a team. And this is why we're stressing groups today, because it's vitally important that we have a group of people around us. The Economist recently wrote this. Facebook spent a billion dollars to buy Instagram. And they said they mainly did it to hire their 13 employees. That's how important people are. We need people. It's not ideas. It's not lone rangers. We need people in our lives. We need a team. We want you to think about this today. Do you have the team in your life that you need that will help carry you into the promised land? And we want to encourage you today is to get in a group, to sign up for a group, to pray about it because there's rock solid evidence that we reach our promised land, our full potential, everything that God has called and created us to be because we're in the right team of people who are working together and it's not all about us. It's about the team. It's about the whole. It's about us moving forward. So to recap, four steps. First step was what? Passion. Passion. Nothing great is accomplished in this world without passion. Joshua chapter 1, it actually says it four times. Be very strong and courageous. And all that God is doing there to Joshua and the people he's leading said, you've got to be fired up. You've got to be passionate. And you know what? If you're fired up enough, what we've said, if you're fired up enough, people who are fired up, people who are fired up winners who want to do something that's really important, really important, they write it down. They write it down. When you talk to somebody sometime, maybe you're over top of somebody and you tell them something really important, they just sit there. What is that, what is that communicating to you? You want to say what to them? Hey, what I'm saying to you is important. Write this down so you won't forget it. That's what we do. And so if we're passionate enough, we should write it down. Put it in this little 50-cent notebook that we gave you. I hope you'll keep this throughout the year because it's really, really important. So number one's passion. Number two is proof. So you've taken the time to write things down. Well, as you collect the answers to those prayers and the plan that you've written in here, you begin to write the answers down. And as you read those answers, they're proof to you. And when you get punched in the mouth, and you will, you will... Get punched in the mouth, just like Mike Tyson said. You'll get punched in the mouth. You'll go back and you'll read the proof and it'll keep you going. Only 8% of Americans, we love, Americans love New Year's resolutions, but only 8% of us keep them. And we need proof that will fuel our passion to keep moving forward. And the step number three was priorities. We need to make it a priority. Put God first in our life. And so today, step number four is this, people we need people. And the enemy to all that is disharmony, being out of, being a lone ranger, being on your own, not having a group, not having those people in our lives around us that help us, that move us forward. We need people in our lives. Let's talk about the two and a half tribes again, if we can. Okay. These people had already reached their promised land. 
They had already built homes and cities and schools, and they had their routine. They had it down. And so Joshua comes along and says, no, 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 no. You've got to help your brothers and sisters make it to the promised land. You've got to do this. This is a team effort. And they're like, hey, man, we've already made it. We've got our routine down here. Everything is cool. Why do we want to inconvenience ourselves to go and help them? I want to talk about two things, both beginning with the letter I. It's an inconvenience. This was a major inconvenience for the two and a half. For them to adjust their schedules. And for some of us, you know, it's like, you know what? I'd like to sign up for a group today, but it's really inconvenient to me. If I signed up for a group, I'd have to adjust my schedule to do it. Yes, exactly. That's what we want. We want you to do that. Because inconveniencing yourself for other people means God is changing and working in your life because it's not all about us. It's about the group, and you're needed in that group because you're going to play a role. You're going to throw a block for somebody. You're going to make a difference. And so they had to inconvenience, had to adjust their schedule. Sometimes you're going to say, you know, I don't feel like going to the group tonight. Well, it's an inconvenience. Yes, exactly inconvenience. They had to inconvenience themselves to leave their homes, their cities, and their schools and do something for somebody else. And the second thing is the letter I is irritating. Irritating. It's a big irritation. They're doing it all for them. It's not about, it's not about themselves. It's all about everybody else. I'm building their homes and their cities and schools. Let them build their own place. I've already built mine. Why should I help them do theirs? You're going to go to a group or maybe you've been to a group before and you're like, man, geez. I went to a group and there was a person that was so irritating. You know, I just, it was all about them and they're talking all the time and I couldn't stand it. Some of you are in a group and you're like, I don't have anybody like that in my group that talks all the time. You're the person. <laughs> you're the one talking all the time. I don't have any problem with that at all. You're the one. You're the talk. There's going to be people that irritate us, inconvenience us. It's a problem. And I'm saying, yes, you need the irritation in your life. Yes, you do. Because God uses the inconveniences and the irritations in our life to transform us and to change us and to make us the people that God wants us to be. The reason my wife is so awesome is because I irritate her all the time. I'm so imperfect. That's the way God works, everybody. One of my favorite stories of groups ever that I heard about six, seven years ago, we did this thing. We just like launched a bunch of groups. I said, anybody who wants to do a group just right here, spontaneously stand up. And so we had a wonderful person. Didn't really know them at all, but we had a wonderful person. He said, I want to do a group. I'll host in my house. I'd love to host. Said, okay, they hosted. And we had one of our staff members actually go. They just randomly signed up for it, and they went to this group. And it was great. They told us everything was going awesome. They had a great discussion. They talked about the Bible, and they all kind of clicked. And then the person served dinner for everybody. Think about that. They had just a great time. And then they got towards the end. And the person said, you know what? Uh, how, about, how about I break out wine for everybody? And so they broke out wine, okay? And then after a little bit of drinking, the person hosting the group said, you know, does anybody like rats? Well, nobody said yes, but the person says, I have a pet rat, and I'd like to go get my pet. It was all white pet rat. So they ran upstairs and got their pet rat, and they put the pet rat as they all closed the group up and were eating together and drinking, and they put the pet rat right there on their shoulder, and they would drink some wine, and they'd give the rat some wine, and they would drink some wine. And you're saying right now, that's why I don't sign up for groups, okay? <laughs> but what I want to say to you, what I want to say to you have some adventure. Live a little bit. You'll never forget the night that you were in the group that had the rat. You'll never forget that. I'm not telling you to ever go back unless you love rats. Maybe some of us love rats, but I'm saying to you, you'll never forget it. Live a little. Be inconvenienced. Be irritated. It's how God works in your life to do something really, really special. It's awesome. Okay? So we need each other. 
I saw a recent video, and I want to try to use it to make a point about the importance of teamwork, okay? So let's look at the screen, and let's see what we can say about this, okay? All right. <laughs> the monkey is helping the doggy get across the river to the promised land, right? Okay? They're working together as a team. Now listen, the monkey could have said, I don't have time for this dumb dog. This is a major inconvenience. I've got my routine. I don't want to worry about him. But you know what? He was a team player. Are you a team player? Will you help? Will you? Now watch what he's getting ready to do here. He's going to do, if anybody's familiar with the bionic man, hear that? Boom. Just goes. Now look, irritation. The dog, the dumb dog is irritating. But does the monkey give up? Does the monkey give up? No, the monkey doesn't give up. He keeps working with the dog. And then all of a sudden, boom, the dog's going to jump across. They're going to end up here. Are you willing to do that today? That's all I'm asking. Are you willing to work together to get somebody else across the promise? Oh, groups are all about me. I don't want to sign up because it inconveniences me and irritates all this kind of stuff. What about other people? This isn't about you. It's not about me. There's times that I don't want to show up to group either. But if I'm not there, it's going to make a difference in somebody else's life. It's not about me. Will you throw a block for somebody else? Or are you only interested in scoring the touchdown? Okay? This is how we get. This is very, very serious. I want to try to make a point by doing something fun for a moment, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping that this will stick. So we're going to do some things. Uh, we're going to bring some teams out, and we're going to set up Darth on either side of the stage, and I'm going to explain uh, what we're getting ready to do. All right. The snow. Remember the blizzard? How can you forget? All right. I want you to think about the blizzard on Friday. And then I want you to think about the Wednesday right before the blizzard. Anybody remember the Wednesday right before? Does anybody? Okay. It took me two and a half hours to do a 20-minute trip home. Two and a half hours. Did it take anybody more than five hours? I need to throw your hand up or wave or do something like that. Okay. Took you more than five? Six. Anybody? Wave your hand. Anybody? Up there. Up there. Thank you very much. Seven. If it took you more than seven hours, please stand up. We want to recognize you. Are some of you still not home? Okay, we are so sorry. And here's the reason why I wanted to make mention of this. I know there's frustration. There's snow, snow frustrations, right? And we want to get some snow frustrations out. And so in a moment, we're going to allow you to get some snow frustrations out. So imaginary line, everybody, right here. This is the center, okay? So you're right dead center. You're going to have to choose a team, Celeste, Okay. Imaginary line right down here. All of you on this side, you're a team. Here's your captains. Over here, say hello. Hello. These guys are definitely going to lose on this side. I can see it. I know two of them. They're definitely going to lose. Okay. All right. All of you, all of you here, this side, okay, right? You're a team, and here's your captains. And here's Carla. So I know this team is going to Carla. I know your team's going to win. Awesome. All right. Here's the thing. All right, guys, when you go to throw, you can't cross this line. Okay, Hosea, no cheating. Okay, there's your line. You've got to stay behind the line. Here, let me explain it. We have 300 snowballs up at the top in the upper deck. The upper deck has 300 snowballs. Everybody listen. There's a huge prize for the winning team. This team is going to win or this team's going to win. I've got to tell you, in the first service, this team over here won. You guys have a challenge ahead of you. Do you want to step up to the challenge? Are you winners? Are you going to settle? That's the question. The goal here, everybody on this side, same thing on that side, is from the top of the upper deck, you start, you have to look, 
You have to watch it. You have to work together as a team. Quickly get the 150 snowballs down from your side. Get it to your captains over here, okay? And then they are going to throw over here. He looks, that doesn't look fair. They're both, they're both, yeah, they need to face each other, right? Maybe, okay. All right, Parker will adjust it, okay? He'll make it fair, okay? So you get the snowballs here. They throw it. They try to knock down that Darth, and they're doing the same thing. Whoever knocks down Darth first wins. Either we're winning team here or we're winning team here. And the way it's going to happen is if everybody works as a team. This side over here in the first service, they were like a well-oiled machine. They were all into teamwork. These guys over here were a complete disaster. Total disaster. Right? Like these guys over here had knocked it down and they went out for a cigarette in the first service, came back and still. Okay. Do you understand? Teamwork. Can you all say teamwork? One, two, three. Teamwork. That's, that's what you're going to need. Okay. I'm going to get this out of the way. Now, ready? Wait a minute. Now, ho, 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 ho. No one said go. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. Disqualification. Easy. Easy. All right. We're going to play some special music while the game. Everybody pay attention. I'm going to give you the one, two, three. You guys ready? You guys ready? You ready? Okay. One, two, three, throw. Let's go. I told you that team would lose. And he's crossed the line. He crossed the line multiple times. Multiple times. There we go. Woo! Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Hold the snowballs. Excellent. Good. All right. Let's come, team. Let's come to the middle here. So you see... You see all the frustration on this side? I think we had our seven-hour person up there starting from the top. A lot of frustration. Got all the frustration out. A lot of good teamwork this side. I think I predicted this. I predicted that this team would lose. Okay? These two guys were the weak link right here. I'm so sorry. You got on that team. That's terrible. All right. Uh, fella, oh, come, come on over. Come on over. Winning team. Congratulations. Anyway, round of applause for the winning team. Excellent. Excellent. Good work. Now... <clears throat> We have something special. Some of you know that Robert Putnam wrote a book called Bowling Alone. It's been about 20 years ago they wrote it. Had some great information and studies in that book. One of the things that came out of that was this. Thank you, Joanna. Is that how important relationships are in our life. And so what was basically said, ready? This is important. This is, this is science. Okay? Giving you scientific fact. You will live a healthier life. Like, you'll live a longer, healthier life if you're in community, if you have meaningful relationships. And so here's the quote, that you're far healthier eating Twinkies with friends than broccoli alone. Say it again. Twinkies with friends, broccoli. That's, that's verified. That's just not me. All right. This is what? Twinkies with broccoli alone. So here's our losing team. And what we would like to do is we would like to give each one of them a bunch of broccoli. Thank you, Joanna. Okay? And... and as you head back, as you head back up into the rafters, passing your team, feel free to break off some, hand it to your teammates, and with every bite, I just want you to remember how important people and teamwork are in your life, and maybe you'll change your ways, okay? <laughs> now, now, one second. Thank you. 
We have Twinkies over here, and we want to give out. There's, I'm going to give you two, actually. You were so awesome. Oh, hold on, hold on a second. Thank you very much. Give them all. That's awesome. You get, you get, you get, you get, you get three, okay? And I'm going to give you two there. You're awesome. And I want you to remember. I want, I want you all to remember, okay? With everybody the Twinkie, okay? Teamwork. Teamwork is healthy. Teamwork takes you across to the promised land. Now, Parker, where are you? Uh, as you guys go back, we want you... We want you to share, we want you to share your Twinkies with your friends, but we want to get some, we want to get some Twinkies into the upper deck. So we got a bunch of Twinkies we're going to send up there to the upper deck. There you go, Parker. Hey, 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 hey. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you very much, Carla. If you cheer on too much, she will not leave the stage. So you got to be careful. Who didn't get a Twinkie? Huh? Twinkie? Come on, please. There you go, sister. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm hoping that that's going to stick with you, uh, that point. And I know that was fun, but it actually is making a very serious point. And the serious point is, is we do need people in our lives because God's word is very clear. The Bible is very clear about this. The winning plan in Joshua, extremely clear about this. You get to one point in Joshua, actually, everybody, I think it's chapter four, where for about 10 verses straight, it keeps just saying all. When it, means, when it says all, it's referring to you need the whole nation, you need the whole team to do it again. The team goes across to the promised land together, everybody. So the very serious point is this, and I know it's inconvenient, I know it's irritating, probably a host of other things along with it, but the importance of it cannot be overstated that we need people in our lives. We need relationships in our lives. We can't be in disharmony. We have to find harmony together. And that takes us across to the promised land. And it's not all about us. Like, you know what? Ah, I don't feel like going tonight or whatever. I don't feel like son. Whatever. We have to think about throwing the block for somebody else. We have to think about the difference we might make in somebody else's life, right? So not everybody on this side got a Twinkie. But you did win the game right? That was first service. You did win the game. Sorry. Over here. Sorry. You guys, you guys won the game, but not everybody got a Twinkie, right? So we have to think about other people. I want to give you some quotes here uh, that are, well, for me, they, they, they meant a lot. I read a book uh, four or five months ago uh, by Phil Jackson called 11 Rings. It was really an excellent book. Phil Jackson coached the Chicago Bulls. He coached the Los Angeles Lakers and uh, read this book. This guy, Phil Jackson, actually both of his parents were ministers and they believed that God had a call on his life to be a minister. He seriously considered becoming a pastor. He actually toured a seminary and thought about doing that. He, he feels like he fulfilled his call by being a coach and went, winning 11 rings along the way. So that's pretty cool. But uh, he, says, he says in this book about the importance of relationship and connection, he says this. Yeah, think about this. He's coaching Jordan, Michael Jordan, and Scottie Pippen, and Kobe, and Shaq. And he says this. He says their deepest longing was for connection. Now, that's not the first thing I would have thought off the top of my head. I would have thought about winning championships or making tens of millions of dollars and fame and glory. But he felt it was his role to foster connection and harmony amongst them as a team because he says that was their deepest longing. And he puts a quote in here by Brene Brown at the beginning of one of his chapters, and he says this. Brene says this. Connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. 
Do you have that type of connect? Do you have a team? Do you have people in your life that is helping to give purpose and meaning to your life? My son gave me a book uh, a little while ago called The Boys in the Boat, and I just finished it a few weeks ago. Anybody read The Boys in the Boat? I'm sorry for those of you uh, who haven't read it, and uh, you might read it, that I'm getting ready to maybe spoil it. Okay? Very sorry. Uh, Fantastic book. Fantastic book. Actually, the book brought me to tears. It was about, it was about this crew, a rowing crew. I, I've never rowed a day in my life. I, I feel like rowing, okay? 1936, this crew, University of Washington, right? They're a bunch of lumberjacks. They're not from the East. They're not from all the professional rowing society. No, a bunch of lumberjacks. But they come together in such harmony that these guys win in front of Hitler in Germany in the 36 Olympics. They win Olympic gold because of their harmony and their unity together. I want to read. There's a guy in the book. He's quoted at the beginning of each chapter. He's like the oracle of rowing. He's this British guy. His name is George Yeoman Pocock. And Pocock says this. It's a great art is rowing. It's the finest art there is. Look what he says next. It's a symphony of motion. And when you're rowing well, why, it's nearing perfection. And when you near perfection, you're touching the divine. It touches the you of yous, which is your soul. See, Jesus talks a lot about unity and harmony and our need for people in our lives and to function as a unit in harmony around a singular purpose of God's will advancing, His kingdom advancing here on earth. I know I often am caught up in what is my kingdom doing, but what happens in our community groups, what we hope would happen is that we'd have a group of people and and, and our community groups that would be so focused on advancing God's kingdom here on earth together as a team. And what Pocock is saying here is when people can rally around that purpose other than their own little kingdoms, great things happen. And it's like touching the divine. Jesus talks about it so much. Pocock Jackson talks about it. And I got to remind you, all three, and I'm not trying to say Pocock and Jackson are there with Jesus, but still, all three had spectacular victories, spectacular victories in their lives. When I think about teamwork passages, everybody from the Bible, I always think about two. The first is John 17, and the second is Acts chapter 2. John 17, next to, I want to read excerpts from both of them to you. I want to set the first one up in John 17. John 17 is an entire chapter where Jesus is praying. It's a whole chapter of praying. And what he begins to pray about is very, very important here. He begins to pray for the, for the disciples that are around them, and then he does something. He begins to pray for anybody who in 2016 calls himself a follower of Jesus Christ. It's fascinating. Let's read it. Jesus speaking, he says, My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. He's talking about those in 2016 who are followers of Christ. That all of them may be one. That unity, that harmony that we want. Why? He goes on, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. That there would be such a harmony that it would get so deep, it would be so unified that out of that harmony, did you notice what he said? Here's what's fascinating. What he says is out of that harmony that people would believe in Jesus Christ, that people would have a life 
changing encounter with Jesus Christ out of harmony and unity. Let's go to the second passage about teamwork that always strikes me. It's in Acts chapter 2. And look at the similarity that we see here. All the believers, now all the followers of Jesus Christ lived in what? Wonderful harmony. And then what happened? Every day their number grew as God added to those who were being saved. When we come together in our community groups, we hope that what we do is we, har- we harmonize around God's kingdom, God's will, and what God wants more than anything else, what the promised land represents more than anything else, more than it supersedes all of our own personal stuff, what it means more than anything else is people having a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. That's what the true rest is. The Bible describes Jesus as the ultimate rest giver. I know. I know that there are things on my list, okay, that I write down here. And I've, I've been pretty open about this over the past week, that my list really, when I first start writing it, is very me-focused. And God begins to change and becomes other-focused, more about we rather than me, right? The change happens. I have to think about, God, what do you want to do in other people's lives? I thought one day as I was reading over my notebook, I had not written down one name in my notebook, in my journal, for somebody to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. That's me. I hadn't done that. And yet, it's Jesus' most important piece of the promised land. We want our community groups to gather around Jesus' purpose because it's about Him coming together. And I want to encourage you one last time today to consider, as the Bible says, to write the vision down, to hang on to these, to keep working and writing them. And would you consider doing this, particularly in your community groups? And I hope a bunch of you, if you're not in a community group, you'll sign up today for a community group. And I hope that you'll do as my group is starting to do for the next two months. We're two months away from Easter. Hope that we could all share names. You don't have to give a full name. You don't, have to, you don't have to pray out loud in your group to this, but you could write the names down and your whole group could offer the names. We've got about 30 names in my group right now. And just, it takes less than a minute to say, God, grant this person a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And just, just read those 30 names. What if we did that for two months? Can you imagine what that would be like as people begin to have life-changing encounters with Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to think about and do that. Pocock says one other thing here. Well, there's a wonderful quote. He says, where is the spiritual value of rowing? You have to ask yourself that question. (laughs) Is there any spiritual value to rowing? This is what he says. It's fascinating. He says, the losing of self entirely to the cooperative effort of the crew as a whole. Are you willing to do that? Would you be willing to be a part of a group of people that you would lose your own self-interest to the interest of Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to do that so that his kingdom and his will would advance? What happens, everyone, when people have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ? I know, listen, we're involved in lots of missions efforts, right? We want to talk about poverty. We talk about water. We talk about injustice, all these things. I just want to, just briefly, I want you to think about this. When somebody has a genuine, life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, what happens? Some of us have met people, and they say they've had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, and we hear the way they talk and stuff, and we're like, oh, man, I don't want that. Do you, do, does anybody know what I'm saying? I don't, want, I don't want that. I want to talk about a genuine, life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, the Red Cross. 
Red Cross has been respected around the world for years, all the wonderful work they do. You ever thought, you ever asked the question, where did the name Red Cross come from? Where did it come from? Henry Dunant, the founder, had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And out of that genuine life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ, it spurred him. It moved him to make a difference in the world. He is the first person to ever receive the Nobel Peace Prize. Red Cross, Salvation Army. William Booth had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. You want to make a difference in the world? I want to make a difference in the world. What I'm suggesting to you is the greatest way to make a difference in the world is begin to pray for people to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. They're your neighbors. They're your coworkers. They're your friends. They're celebrities. You think, no way God can do anything in their life. They're the most impossible people. But if you want to make a powerful difference in this world, would you be willing to actually be passionate enough to write those names down, to share it in your groups, and begin to pray? for people to have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. We support Charity Water because dirty water is a major problem in this world. Do you know the founder of Charity Water had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ? Do you know World Vision? Like when there's problems in the world, a lot of times CNN immediately turns to a World Vision person because they're on the ground making a difference in this world. It's this huge organization. Do you realize that somebody had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ? Compassion International, who is releasing children from poverty all around the world. Do you realize that in Korea... A man had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. You know, we got to do something about this. We support the International Justice Mission. I just received an email from them. In 2015, the International Justice Mission set free 4,100 victims from violence, slavery, and sex trafficking. You know why? Because one person had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. Do you want to change the world? Here's what Jesus says, the most important thing that we could possibly do. Of course, we want to provide water. Could we do all this? But where it all begins is a genuine, life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. People have said to me recently, John, you know, since we started 2016, there's like a buzz in the air around Grace Community Church. Man, it's just, what's going on? I mean, are, are you preaching better? I've watched, <laughs> I want to tell you, I've watched the tapes. I'm not preaching better. It, <laughs> And it hurts me deeply that I'm not. <laughs> September of 2015, four or five months ago, I gathered with our prayer team in that stairwell over there, and I said, you know what? Let's, let's harmonize around one thing. Let's just do one thing. Let's pray, and, and they're praying. There's a group praying in that service, every service, and they're only praying for one thing. Our focus is one thing, that people would have a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, four months later, there was this explosion. 54 people. Now, 57 people have crossed this bridge. Wonderful time. Wonderful, wonderful time. You don't preach people into the kingdom. You don't argue people in the kingdom. You don't humiliate people in the kingdom. You don't guilt people in the kingdom. The way somebody has a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ is through prayer. Jesus says, my house will be called a house of prayer. You know, it's fascinating. The Jackson book, Phil Jackson, and, and, and the boys in the boat. They, they, I want to tell you this fascinating thing. How much time do I have? Oh, I'm almost done. Okay. Jackson used to have his team practice in the dark and in silence. Chicago Bulls, Pippen, Jordan, silence in the dark. Can't talk with each other. 
And the boys in the boat, you know what happens? The night before the famous Poughkeepsie regatta, before they win the national championship, and then they go on to win Olympic gold. Night before, they're out. The crew is out. They're rowing. And they kept rowing in the dark one night. Silence. And they said they were in perfect rhythm and harmony with each other. In the silence. In the dark. And they knew they had reached, and even decades later, that crew remembers what happened in 1936. That They were brought together in such unity and harmony. So we have a group of people in the dark, so to speak, right in there, praying about one thing. Can you imagine, everybody, if all 60-ish of our community groups decided, you know what, for the next two months, from now to Easter, we're just going to bring names before God. Let them have a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine what other great movements might start in this world because people have a genuine encounter with Jesus Christ? I want to challenge you to do that. I want to challenge you to get in a group. I want to challenge you to overlook the inconvenience and the irritations. And I want to challenge you to go beyond your own kingdom, like me, and for Jesus' kingdom, that great things might happen. I want to conclude with one thing. You know, I've noticed this. <clears throat> I've been doing weddings for now 20-ish years, and I've noticed that there's all kinds of symbols and rituals involved in weddings from all kinds of cultures. Cultures have all kinds of symbols. But in the United States of America, one of the most powerful symbols is walking down the aisle. And that's, it's a sign of commitment. I'm crossing this bridge. I'm walking down the aisle, and that is my commitment. I will be married to you for the rest of of my life. It's a, it's, it's a powerful commitment. And I want to tell you something. I've never revealed this before. Some brides in the room are going to be a little upset. You'll be okay. <laughs> and about 50% of the weddings I do, I get the awesome privilege, right, of being with the groom and all of his groomsmen right before we walk down that aisle. And in about 50% of those cases, here's what always happens. We're standing there. We can see down that aisle. It gets real quiet real quiet. There's this awkward quietness. And I always know it's coming. I just wait for it. Kind of with a little smile on my face. And eventually, either the best man or one of the groomsmen steps up, puts his hand right here on the groom's forearm and says, the door's right there if you want to... (laughs) This is your last chance. The bride has no idea this is going on. It's happened in some of your weddings. Revealing this. Why? Why do the groomsmen do that? Because they're like, this is it. This is it. This is, before you make this big commitment, this is it. But this is a powerful symbol. It's a powerful symbol. I'm committing my life to Jesus Christ. We've had the bridge up on stage all, all four weeks. This is our last week with the bridge. We've had now 57 people that have crossed this bridge and as an act of holy graffiti have signed their name on that bridge. But some of you still want to cross it. I'm convinced of that. Some of you want to say, you know what? Today's my day. Today's my day. I want to do this as a symbol that I'm committing my life to Christ. And so I'm going to say what I've said every week. I'm an introvert. I am not the guy who would run up on stage, hey, let me cross the bridge. Uh, I would want to do it in a quiet way. And so um, my wife and I, after I pray and there's a huge exodus, and everybody runs out the door to get to the parking lot and play in the snow. Okay? 
my wife and I, Krista, would like to meet you over here and just pray with you about what God's doing in your life and give you an opportunity to cross the bridge, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for everybody here. And I guess really what I want to thank you for, Lord, is, is this. What is so clear from the book of Joshua is you have an awesome plan. You have a promised land for every single person in this room. And as we leave today, I hope that every person will remember that one thing, no matter what, that God, you have a plan and that you are with us and that we can be strong and courageous because you are always with us. Whether we feel you or we don't feel you, you say that you're a man that does not lie. You are with us. God, encourage us today to be strong and courageous and to keep moving forward. And Lord, for those of us who right now you're dealing with us in our hearts and you're tugging, you're saying, today's the day to cross that bridge. God, may each one of us make that right decision about that commitment, Lord. Help us and bless us in Christ's name. Amen. God bless. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.